You're listening to FMGRadio.com. I welcome you to the Holistic Health Show. I'm Dr. Carl O'Helvey, your host. My guest today is Dr. Michael A. Smith, the country doctor with the city education. That's how Dr. Smith's many devoted fans describe him. Senior health scientist and health and wellness media personality for Life Extension, the world's leading organization dedicated to extending the healthy human's lifespan. Dr. Smith is an author and blogger, creates and conducts webinars, and appears in informational health and wellness videos. His engaging ability to present complex medical topics, be it diabetes, migraines, food sensitivity, or weight management, in a clear, conversational manner, has won him a sizable following of anti-aging and disease prevention enthusiasts. Also known as Dr. Mike, for more than six years he has worked at Life Extension in a variety of capacities, including health advisor, clinical information trainer and specialist, and keynote speaker for the company's monthly lecture series. Dr. Smith was a recurring guest in 2012 on The Suzanne Show with Suzanne Summers on the Lifetime Network, appeared on Jam of the Caribbean, a television show dedicated to disease prevention, and is currently seen in several regional infocommercials as an expert guest. He is also heard on numerous syndicated national health radio shows. He hosts Healthy Talk Radio on RadioMD.com and has completed a book on the dietary supplement pyramid that will be in distribution in March 2014. Most recently, he contributed to Martha Stewart's Whole Living website, as well as health articles on exam.com, about.com, and Expert Beacon. He has been a guest lecturer for numerous anti-aging organizations in South Florida, and in his spare time, Dr. Smith manages several content-based medical websites that reach out to his legion of health-conscious fans. Before joining Life Extension, Dr. Smith worked for the global pharmaceutical company AstraZeneca as a cardiovascular medical science liaison. A spokesman for AstraZeneca's Phase three clinical trial programs, he traveled throughout the United States preventing study results to cardiology groups and university centers. A graduate of the University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center in Dallas, Texas, Dr. Smith completed an internship in internal medicine at the University of Utah and a residency in radiology at Utah Southwestern Medical Center. I welcome you to the Holistic Health Show, Dr. Mike, and I look forward to hearing some of the latest health information published at Life Extension in their fifth edition of Disease Prevention and Treatment that provides over 1,400 pages of scientific information on protocols that may prevent and treat diseases of aging. 
So we will cover some of that information today. Now first, what are some lesser known health disease risk factors? Well, you know, that's a good question, isn't it? We, one of the things we like to focus on at Life Extension are the are, this, are the, the research and the risk factors that conventional doctors aren't focusing on, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. our book is full of things that you may not be aware of. Let me just give you a few examples. You know, when I was in medical school, we were told that the statin medications that were going to lower cholesterol, for instance, they were going to be the, uh, the cure-all, the miracle drug. We were going to wipe away heart disease uh, within the next decade, and that was back in the late 80s. Well, guess what? Heart disease is still our number one killer. So we ask a very simple question at Life Extension. Mm-hmm. What are we missing? And mm-hmm. that's where we come up with these additional risk factors. So, you know, when you look at heart disease, you have to control things like inflammation, uh, low levels of testosterone in men, and high levels of estrogen in men are linked to heart disease low vitamin D. I mean, as simple as taking a vitamin D capsule every day, which is about five to eight cents mm-hmm. a day, mm-hmm. would do so much for people's heart health in this country. It's unreal. I mean, and the list goes on and on. Uh, you know, there's really new research looking at uh, what happens inside the arterial plaque that we've written about in our book that your conventional doctor is not talking about. For instance, you know, plaques become unstable, and when uh, and when when all that cholesterol and fat within a plaque becomes unstable, that's when it ruptures and causes the acute heart attack. The question is, is why is it becoming unstable? See, conventional medicine focuses on the cholesterol getting in there. We focus on what happens to the cholesterol once it's there, and we've discovered an enzyme called phospholipase A2. This is an enzyme that breaks down the fat in the plaque that causes your immune system to attack it, and that's what causes the rupturing of the Mm -hmm. plaque and acute heart attack. So we're focusing on nutrients, not so much that lower cholesterol, although I think that's important to some degree, but it's not the only issue. We're also looking at decreasing the activity of that enzyme, that the phospholipase enzyme within the plaque, to make sure it doesn't get soft and and rupture. And those are just a few few examples Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. those lesser-known risk factors that conventional doctors just... I I know they know about it because I learned about some of this stuff in Mm -hmm. in conventional medical school, but they just don't apply it to to their clinical practice. And and I'm, I keep scratching my head why and and when will they Mm -hmm. start talking about these things? So uh, that's just that. What I just gave you is just a little quick Mm -hmm. little uh, Mm -hmm. you know uh, idea of what what you could read Mm -hmm. in this in this fifth edition of our disease prevention and treatment book. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let me give you one more example because this is really hits home for me when I was. In about 18 years old, I was at, in high school, and my mom was diagnosed with lung cancer, and she had to have the lung cancer removed. What, what, once they did that, it just spread everywhere. Mm-hmm. And we now know that surgery you know, to remove a cancer actually increases your risk of metastasis. Now, that mm-hmm. doesn't mean you don't remove the, the tumor, but we're now learning that you have to protect yourself from that type of spread. And so the book has a whole protocol on what to do before and after cancer surgery. Mm. Uh, and we do think that that's going to decrease the risk of the spread of the cancer and allow that surgery to do what it's supposed to do, which is in some cases cure the cancer. So again, it's just another example of kind of stepping mm-hmm. outside the box, if you will, and, mm-hmm. and focusing on things that conventional doctors just aren't talking about and aren't practicing. And, and hopefully, you know, maybe we got to send the book to doctors too, right? <laughs> and get them, get it in their heads. Maybe they can start turning this stuff into, right. you know, everyday clinical practice. Right. Yeah, this is helpful. And what are the latest Alzheimer's treatment breakthroughs? 
Oh, great question. Uh, you know, this has been a focus for us at Life Extension, and it's, it's become my focus because my role uh, at, at the foundation is to teach. I have the, I have the best job here, by mm-hmm. the way. I, mm-hmm. I take all the good research that we're doing, and I turn it into, you know, educational opportunities for people, you know, how people can turn it in, you know, how can they take all that information we're presenting and publishing and, and do something with it? That's my job, so I love it. And we have a clinical research department that's been focusing on Alzheimer's and specifically the inflammatory uh, process that goes on in the brain of Alzheimer's patients. So we're, we actually have a, a clinical research study. So based on all of that, they asked me to put together a, a lecture on, you know, the, again, if, if I can use that lesser known idea again, the, the lesser mm-hmm. known mm-hmm. theories of Alzheimer's disease. And I presented this at a couple medical centers here in South Florida. For one, let's just go to the, the inflammatory process. It's interesting. Good, good research is now showing that there is a particular inflammatory enzyme in Alzheimer's patients that's sky high. It's, it's, it's expressed like crazy, and it's active, and it's producing lots of inflammation, and it's called tumor necrosis factor alpha. So once we discovered that, we, were, we, we started thinking to ourselves, well, you know, there are tumor necrosis factor alpha inhibitor drugs out there. For instance, they use one called Embryl in rheumatoid arthritis. So we asked the question, could that drug also have a role in Alzheimer's disease? Mm -hmm. Well, there was a small pilot study of about 17 Alzheimer's patients. They had mild to moderate Alzheimer's. They were given Embryl injections for a very short period of time, just a few weeks, and they showed all of them across the board an average of a 22% improvement in cognition which is huge. When you think about brain function, a 22% improvement is the difference between not being able to take care of yourself at your home and being able to take care of yourself. That's the difference. So this is huge. And that's just one example of of what we discovered. Oxidative stress is playing a huge role in Alzheimer's disease. You know, the toxins in our environment. Mm -hmm. An interesting Mm -hmm. study showed that most of the dementia, specifically Alzheimer's dementia, occurs in developed countries. Mm. Well, what's going on in developed countries versus non-developed countries? You know what it is? Industrial chemicals. Mm-hmm. And all of these chemicals mm-hmm. are highly oxidative, meaning they increase oxidative stress in our bodies, which can be damaging, especially to brain cells. Mm-hmm. So we're doing a lot of research looking at brain antioxidants, things like pregnenolone, which is a hormone important for the brain, curcumin from the turmeric, turmeric spice, there's even, you know, antioxidants that are normally used for the eyes. They also can cross into the brain, like lutein and zeaxanthin. These are mm-hmm. pigment mm-hmm. and antioxidants that can get into the brain. So we think like a combination of focusing on the inflammation, bringing down the oxidative stress could really help Alzheimer's patients. And so that's just a couple examples. When I presented this, this data to the medical centers in South Florida, mm-hmm. I actually presented about 10 other non-traditional risk factors. And you can learn about all these by going to the website lef.org slash DPT. That stands for Disease Prevention and Treatment. That'll take you to the book that we published. Mm-hmm. And all the protocols are right there online for you. And you can read about those lesser-known theories mm-hmm. of Alzheimer's disease. Great, good. Right now, we're right in the middle of the cold and flu season. And <laughs> what are some flu fighters? Yeah, well, you know, it's people, and I think this is, I'll, let me begin by answering that by asking the question to the listening audience, why does the flu happen mostly in the winter? 
wonder, I wonder if your mm-hmm. listeners have ever thought about that. The flu bug, by the way, is out is out in the mm-hmm. community and it's 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 out in the in in the general population all year long. But why does it really activate during the winter months? Well, the answer to that is it, there's maybe a couple different answers, but the main one is loss of vitamin D. You know, as as we move into the fall and winter months, if you live above the 34th parallel, which if you picture, uh, you know, a map of the United States and, and locate Texas and locate Dallas, Texas, which is in the north, Dallas, Texas is about the 30, 34th parallel. So if you live above north of Dallas, Texas, anywhere in the northern hemisphere, during the winter months, you make absolutely no vitamin mm-hmm. D. Mm-hmm. So... Vitamin D levels crash, it allows the virus to activate, and we get a lot of flu infections. So the first thing your listeners need to do is to take vitamin D. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, you know, the question then becomes, what's the appropriate dose? It's anywhere between 1,000 to 5,000 units every day of D. If you really want to know what your dose is, you should get a blood test. Mm-hmm. Other things that help that I like that I keep at my desk, you know, I work in an office environment, so once one person gets sick, everybody gets sick, right, it just passes right. down the line. I like to have some things uh, right at my desk at hand. One is called andrographis, which is a wonderful Chinese herb that actually can kill the flu virus, and it, there's some good studies showing that. I also like to have at, on hand a little bit of zinc, because a little extra mm-hmm. zinc mm-hmm. will help to you know, stop the virus from binding, especially the cold virus. And then also, this may surprise some of your listeners, there's a drug out there, it's an over-the-counter drug that's used for heartburn, mm-hmm. and it's called Tagamet. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out Tagamet uh, can also kill the, the flu virus. So, so the heartburn drug actually can help during flu time. So I keep those three things, and if I, if I feel that scratchy throat coming on, I, just, I feel maybe some of the aches, you have to act quickly before you get the fever, but, you know, up your vitamin D, take some of the andrographis, maybe some of the zinc, and, and, and in this case, Tagamet, that over-the-counter drug. Uh, you, in most cases, you can wipe out the virus before it can, it can take over. So you might feel bad for just a half a day versus for a whole week. Mm-hmm. You know, I would have said that the problem was that in the winter months, you're indoors more and you're in contact with people closer than you are in the summer months. Uh, yeah, and yeah. A, no, no, and, and, it, and, and that's a, a good point. And from a public health point of view, where you look at man, agent, and environment, that's an environmental factor. But yeah. you're looking at what can the individual do to protect themselves even when they're in that environment. So that's really Yeah, good. yeah. You know, and I mentioned at the get-go that there's probably two or three different mm-hmm. reasons mm-hmm. why the flu really kicks in. And, and the top two would be loss of vitamin D and, as you said, mm-hmm. close. You mm-hmm. know, we're, we tend mm-hmm. to be more indoors. Unfortunately, now I live in South Florida where it's 80 degrees and sunny all the time, so I'm always outside, so it doesn't affect me as much. But for those of you in the colder climate, you know, you can't really control being inside because it's cold, so you want to be inside more. But what you can control is vitamin D. Mm -hmm. You You could boost your vitamin D levels, and that goes a long way to staying healthy during, you know, the flu season. And I'm a little jealous of your being in Florida because right now I'm looking out at eight eight inches of snow in my driveway and in my front yard, but it's supposed yeah. to go in the 40s today, so hopefully it'll be gone by tomorrow. Okay. I couldn't even imagine that because I look outside <laughs> and I see the ocean and the beach mm-hmm. and sun, so I don't, know, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I don't know what that eight inches of snow looks like. <laughs> well, I live on the Chesapeake, and I think that it also is frozen over. It's been that cold. So, you know, wow, amazing. Right. 
then I take a lot of supplements. So I'm also interested because I read a lot of conflicting reports on supplements. Why is that? Well, it's kind of a shame when the public is presented with a very sensational headline, usually a negative headline about supplements. And what, what, what the public is not taught, mm-hmm. what, what's not made clear to them, is often the limitations behind that headline, the limitation of the study itself that produced that headline. Every study that's ever done has limitations. Maybe mm-hmm. there wasn't a people. Maybe they were using sick people. When it comes to supplements, maybe they were using a low-dose, low-quality supplement. I mean, there's all these questions that re- you really need to look at before you believe that hype behind, behind the headline. Because let's be honest, if you're doing a morning news show and there's a negative headline that a multivitamin is horrible for you, stop taking it, you know, whatever it may be, of course they're going to jump all over that because people are going to watch that. Mm-hmm. And I blame them a little bit because they don't do their due diligence to look behind that headline and say, well, why did this study produce that kind of result? Let me teach your listeners three simple things to do whenever they see a negative headline mm-hmm. in supplements. You're going to see more mm-hmm. in 2013. There's three simple questions to ask. Who meaning who did they study? And in most cases, they're studying people who already have disease. Mm-hmm. You know, you might look at people who have already had a heart attack, and you give them fish oils, and they still have a second heart attack. Well, guess what? I mean, you're asking fish oils to do a lot in that case. That person already has a diseased heart. We don't even have medications that help that too mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. So the who is who are they studying? In most cases, it's sick people. The next question is the what. What are they studying? What kind of supplement did they study? Did they use the right formulation? Did they use a high-quality supplement? Did they actually measure the person taking the supplement, or was it just based upon a survey, which is not very reliable, which leads me to the third question, is how did they study them? And in most cases, it is surveys. Mm -hmm. And surveys are known to be inherently uh, unreliable. It doesn't mean you can't use surveys, but you just can't base conclusions off of them. And you definitely don't want to make sensational headlines off of a study that used a survey. Survey studies should only be what we call hypothesis generating, not where we formulate conclusions. So when you, when you ask the, the who, the what, and the how of a, of a clinical study, you often see then those limitations to that study, and it puts the headline into a little bit more context. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Are there certain supplements that we all should be taking? I believe so, yeah. You know, I think let's just start with the general multivitamin. How about Mm -hmm. that? You know, Mm -hmm. people, matter of fact, I just got asked this question the other day by a family member of mine, my sister. She said, do I really need to take a multivitamin? (laughs) And I think she had just read maybe a negative headline or something like that. And I said yes, and I went through, you know, there's a lot of reasons I could give, but I went through what I believe to be the three big reasons we need to take a multivitamin at least. One is even if you're eating a healthy diet, you know, organic food, you're getting your, 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 uh, mm-hmm. your vegetables, mm-hmm. your fruit servings every day, which, by the way, most of us aren't, right? The, the USDA did a study, and only about 11% of the people are eating uh-huh. enough uh, fruits and vegetables. So, so and when people tell me, they, oh, I eat a healthy diet, I, I kind of know right there they're probably not telling me the whole truth. But assuming you do eat a good diet, you're, you're eating healthy, organic, fresh food, that's not enough. Our Mm -hmm. soils are so poor today. Mm -hmm. Our soils are nutrient poor, which means the food they produce, the the, the food from the soil, 
is also nutrient poor. Mm-hmm. A tomato today is not a tomato 100 years ago. So even if you're doing the right things, doing your best, spending the time and money to eat organic fresh food, you're still not getting adequate amounts of vitamins and minerals. So that's the first reason, poor mm-hmm. soils. Mm-hmm. The second reason we need to take a multivitamin is all the toxins in our environment. I mean, we have a really awesome built-in detox system in our, in our bodies called the liver. But the liver was never meant to deal with this many toxins. I mean, the EPA allows a 1,000 new chemicals every year into our environment. I mean, what is that doing to us? So there's another reason you need to take a multi-app. The, the food you're eating is just not going to be able to cover you. The third reason is all the chronic stress. Mm-hmm. I mean, we live in a 24-hour non-stop information-based culture now, and it's just go, go, go. So when you put those, those three together, the soils, the toxins, the stress, yeah, we need to supplement our diets mm-hmm. with, with vitamins and minerals. And that's just one example. I think everybody should be taking the omega-3 oils. Mm-hmm. Those are really important for your brain, your heart, and inflammation. I think everybody should take a good probiotic product, which is about gut health or digestive health. I always kind of tell people, if your gut's not healthy, you're not going to be healthy. And the probiotics help all phases of digestion. And then lastly, I think we should take what's called ubiquinol CoQ10. That's a supplement that helps with cell energy production. If a cell cannot make energy, it can't function. And if the cell can't function, eventually you can't function. So CoQ10 helps that cell make energy so it can do the job that it was meant to do. Mm-hmm. So there you go. There's four supplements I think mm-hmm. all of us should be doing. And I was doing all of them until the problem that I have right now, and I had to stop the CoQ10 because of the uh, beta blocker. And sure, and that's, that's, and that's fine. Sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes we have to make adjustments based on our right, needs. You don't right. know. Even though I just told you those are four mm-hmm. foundational right. supplements yeah. that I think everybody uh-huh. should be on. The, the one size definitely does not fit all, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. we have to we have to recognize that that that. I mean, as a matter of fact, my focus over the, over the past year and moving into into this year, 2014, is really to help people personalize mm-hmm. their nutritional regimen, which is why I wrote a book called The Supplement Pyramid, mm-hmm. which helps people to personalize and prioritize their regimen. Uh, it helps people to pinpoint the supplements that are going to work best for them and help them the most. Mm-hmm. So hopefully my book will help mm-hmm. people personalize their approach to nutrition. I've found that there's a lot of controversy around fish oil, and I'm wondering if you have a preference as far as the omega oils, flax or fish oil, sure. or what do you think is the better? You know, I think it, I hear at, the, at the end of the day, I want people to take omega-3 oils. And mm-hmm. if, you, if you want to get it from algae oil, from flax oil, chia seed, or fi- mm-hmm. fish, mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I just want people to get mm-hmm. between 2 to 4 grams mm-hmm. of omega-3 oils every day. You can decide you know, the, the choice. Mm-hmm. Now, I will tell you, the krill oil and the fish oil, we, do, we tend to assimilate that better than oh. the oils from plants. Mm-hmm. The plant oils are also mixed with more omega-6s, and we, we get too many omega-6s. So if you really push me in a corner and mm-hmm. put a gun to my head and say, <laughs> you have to choose between flax or fish, uh-huh. I'm going to tell you I think you should take fish. But oh. mm-hmm. take the gun away, I don't really care. Just get your omega-3 oils every right, day. Right, right, <laughs> Then, uh, Dr. Mike, what do you see as the next big ingredient in the food supplement, dietary supplement industry? Well, I think there's two. I think you're going to see uh, a continued growth 
of the probiotic market. Remember, we talked about mm-hmm. that briefly. Mm-hmm. That's one of the foundational products. Probiotics simply replenish healthy gut bacteria, and those healthy gut bacteria are so important, as I said, to all phases of digestion. And, and not, just, not just general digestive health. There's more evidence coming out that probiotics can help with arthritis, autoimmune disorders, you know, chronic inflammation, and then the list is really a growing list. So you're going to see a, a big movement, not just in these, these probiotic formulas, but maybe even, you know, finding specific strains that do specific things for us. Let me give you an example. There's mm-hmm. a lot of good research looking at a specific healthy bacteria called bifidobacteria, and, or some people call it bifidobacteria. Mm-hmm. You can see it mm-hmm. stated either way. But the bifidobacteria has a lot of uh, good studies showing that it helps with these inflammatory conditions like inflammatory bowel disease, maybe even Alzheimer's. So anything that where there's this inflammatory component, the bifidobacteria seems to be a, a great species again. So you're going to see this expansion of the probiotic market, but I think you may see a movement away from the general formula and then and, and more products coming out where they're, you know, where, mm-hmm. they're, where they're focusing on one specific strain of bacteria mm-hmm. and one specific goal. The other part of the industry that I'm waiting to explode, and I thought it was going to happen last year, but it didn't really happen, so I'm, I'm going to stick with my guns. I think it's going to happen this year, and that's the spices. Mm-hmm. I think you're mm-hmm. going to see a big increase in the market for spices, you know, spices for immune health, Mm -hmm. for controlling flu and cold infection, spices for your heart, spices for brain. I mean, look at curcumin. Mm -hmm. That's been around for a while from turmeric spice and that. But I think you're going to see a a larger expansion of that market as well. So I'm looking forward to those two things, the probiotics and the spices. Mm -hmm. Great. Good. Then what is worse for us, sugar or saturated fat? (laughs) <laughs> you know, I'm going to answer that by, okay, well, okay, let me just answer it. Sugar. I mean, sugar mm-hmm. is, the refined sugars, that's the American diet culprit. Mm-hmm. You know, back in the 80s, there was a study that linked consumption of fat to heart disease. Mm-hmm. And although there is some correlation there, it's not as strong as that one study concluded. As a matter of fact, from that one study in the 80s, we entered into the low-fat diet craze. Well, when you take fat, out of a food product, you have to replace it with something. So they replaced it with sugar. And heart disease rates skyrocketed. So we know that that was a mistake. Now, that's not to say that there isn't a link between fat and, and heart disease because there, there is one with saturated fats, mm-hmm. just not as strong. It's probably more of a correlation. But we also know that that's the same with sugar. Sugar can also lead not just to heart disease, but sugar can increase aging, Sugar has been linked to even what we call diabetes in the brain and Alzheimer's disease and other types of neurodegenerative disorders like Parkinson's. We know that sugar feeds cancer cells because it produces mm-hmm. more of an mm-hmm. acidic environment in the body, which is not good. So it goes on and on and on. So if, I, if you, again, you put me in that corner mm-hmm. with a gun to my head, I'm going to tell you <laughs> it, it's sugar. However, it, but it does go back to the idea of moderation. I mean, it, your body also does use sugar at the same time. You do need some, just like you need some fat as well. I, mm-hmm. I think that we we tend to, especially in this industry, we tend to... Like to, we like to attack one thing. You know, we like to attack fat. We like to attack sugar. Right now, everybody's attacking gluten, you know, mm-hmm. and, and everything on gluten. And I'm not saying there aren't problems with those things, but I do know if you just step back for a moment and you look at fat and you look at sugar and you look at gluten, 
they're not really the problem. The problem is us mm-hmm. eating too much of those things. Mm-hmm. So I think if we step back and look at our diet first and, and see where we can cut out some of that stuff, that will help out tremendously. Mm-hmm. But I guess to answer your question, sugar. Sugar is really mm-hmm. the American diet culprit. Good. I'm glad I avoid that. <laughs> As much as possible. It's hard for some people. It's hard for some people. But, again, that's if you really wanted to, to pick on something in our diet, mm-hmm. it's the refined mm-hmm. processed sugars, you know. Right. Now, what food additives should be avoided? Gosh, you know, and that's another good question because the minute you say additive, people think that's bad, and that's not the case. There are natural, mm-hmm. safe additives. Mm-hmm. So I'm, what I'm going to say, I'm going to add a word to what you just said. I'm gonna, so I'm going to put mm-hmm. the word artificial mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. front of additive. It's the artificial additives that we want to avoid, the artificial colors. Mm-hmm. My gosh, don't give your kids anything that has red dye 40 in it, please. That's nerve toxic. So anything that's artificial in terms of colors, preservatives, and especially the sweeteners, those are the things we, we want to avoid. Here's an interesting story. I took my nephew to, and don't don't hate me for this. He just he's a young kid and he wanted mm-hmm. McDonald's. Mm-hmm. So uh, fine, I gave in because you know he was screaming, whatever. So I took him to McDonald's <laughs> and he got a one of their Sundays in this, and on top of the Sunday was some sort of bright red goo. It was mm-hmm. supposed to be a strawberry coating or something like that, but it just looked way too bright red to be natural. Mm-hmm. So I went home. I went on the McDonald's website and realized that most of that was red dye forty. Here's what's interesting. We only use red dye 40 in that kind of food stuff here in the United States. McDonald's in Europe uses pomegranate juice Mm -hmm. to make things red. Mm -hmm. So why in the United States do we allow these artificial things, but yet in Europe the same company has to follow their rules, which they have to use natural things? Well, Mm -hmm. if Britain's McDonald's can use pomegranate red coloring, we can do the same thing. So in that case, to use pomegranate as an additive to color would be a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's the artificial ones we want to avoid. So colors, sugars, and preservatives. Mm-hmm. It's the, it, anything that you can't pronounce, just you really need to avoid it. One of my concerns is the amount of vitamins that are added to different food products because then you have to recalculate, well, how much are you taking besides all of this? You know, like the vitamin D and in milk, and I guess you may not be able to get too much vitamin D, but if you start adding up how much calcium is in this and how much of this and that and the other well, thing, and you're right. taking supplements, then it makes it difficult to figure out exactly, you know, what you can take and not be getting too much of something. You know, I hear you, and I understand that that could be a concern, but I, I don't think it needs to be as much as, of a concern. No. Most of the vitamins and minerals that are added to a what we call a functional food mm-hmm. or even just to regular food like milk, for instance, or bread, whatever, it, they're such low dose. You know, mm-hmm. you look at the vitamin waters out there. Mm-hmm. The vitamin waters pretty much, they put the least amount they, they need to put in so they can call it vitamin water, but it's pretty much nothing. It's not going to do anything mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. Maybe the only one, and this is a good point you bring up, maybe the only one you need to, to, to look a little bit more closely at is the calcium. Mm-hmm. Calcium is, is in a lot more foods. We, we know women over the age of 35 need about 1,500 milligrams of calcium a day, men around 800 milligrams. Mm-hmm. So that might be the one you, you concentrate on. But all the others, oh, there, there's hardly any in, in oh. the foods, and it's really not yeah. an issue. And keep in mind, again, going back to the USDA's own research, Mm-hmm. 
I mean, only 11% of the people in this country are eating the, the right amount of fruits and vegetables every day, which aren't even loaded with vitamins and minerals anymore. Mm-hmm. So I could make the argument mm-hmm. that, that the average person in this country is so low that you don't need to be worried about overdoing <laughs> it. We need to be worried about underdoing it. Oh. Well, that makes me feel better. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> what are the two or three biggest health issues facing Americans in 2014? Oh, I think, number one, we would have to put obesity. Yeah, you know, we the, the numbers aren't getting any better. You know, the CDC just recently put out their update to all the obesity numbers, and all adults, Hispanic, black, and Caucasian, all adults in this country have really are heading towards at least being overweight or obese. And I think the number on average for all three of those races for overweight was approaching 70%. Mm-hmm. I mean, just think about that for a moment. You're talking about the you're talking about 70% of adults, regardless of race, mm-hmm. 70% in this country are overweight and approaching obesity. And that's, it's so bad because just look. All you got to do is go go online. Go to go to WebMD. Go to LifeExtension.com. Go go to go to your favorite health, you know, news source, whatever it is, and just search, you know, consequences of obesity. Right, and you'll see a whole list of things: heart disease, cancer, diabetes, metabolic disorders, blood pressure, eye problems, Alzheimer's. I mean, you name it. So mm-hmm. when when you have a whole entire nation of overweight and, and a lot of obese people, you're talking about just an, an, un, an unreal future of all kinds of age-related diseases that we will not be able to treat and we will not be able to afford to treat. I mean, mm-hmm. it's really scary what this is going to do to us, not just our health, but our economics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the big issue. I think another big issue is the is the toxins in our environment. I mean, I was on the Suzanne Summer Show, which was on Lifetime Channel, and I did a whole segment on the EPA mm-hmm. and the amount of industrial chemicals in this country. A thousand new chemicals are added every year. We have a total of forty thousand industrial chemicals that are allowed in everyday household products today. Mm-hmm. That has to be doing some horrible things to our body, and there's no sign or evidence that we are even beginning to clean some of that up. And, and, and it would take decades to clean it up anyways because most of these industrial chemicals, they have half-lives of 100, 200, 300 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we've done something to our environment that we're going to be living with for multiple generations. But that doesn't mean we don't, that we don't, we don't want to be hopeless about it, right? We, we want to start focusing on cleaning up our environment. And if you feel like you can't control that much, I mean, maybe you can control and clean up your house your own little local environment, that's fine. But one thing you can do for 2014 mm-hmm. is clean up your internal environment. I do suggest good liver support products like milk thistle, for instance, mm-hmm. the B vitamins. Make sure you're getting plenty of the Bs because they're so important for liver detox pathways. So there are things you can do internally, kind of like go green internally mm-hmm. by helping your mm-hmm. liver. So obesity and toxins. Oh, and by the way, those two are related too. Mm-hmm. We know that toxins lead to fat accumulation. So there's a link between toxins and obesity as well. I think those are the two big issues, and, and unfortunately, I think they're going to be two big issues for decades to come. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. Then are there other health habits or behaviors that we should be adapting in 2014? 
we we need to sleep more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. We do. We I back it. We need to sleep more. Study after study is showing seven to nine hours of sleep a night is about right, and it's probably more on that uh, the nine hour. The average adult in this country is four to six. So the average adult in this country is not even within that range of a good night's sleep. And then most of the sleep that we're getting is not very restful sleep. The number one reason people don't have energy is not lack of a vitamin or lack of a, of a food source. It's lack of sleep. Mm. So mm-hmm. I do think that if you want your body to repair itself, if you want to activate those internal detox programs in your body, you know, through the liver... You know, if you just want to, if you want to optimize your health and live better right now, we need to we need to do things that where we get we get better sleep. How can you do that? I tell all of my friends, customers, patients, all electronic stuff should be off by 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. I know that's hard. I know that I, I tell people that, and they want to bargain with me right away. Well, how about 10 o'clock? You know, how about 11? How about midnight? No, 8 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Don't check your email. Don't don't be staring at a an electronic screen, all of those lights, it's very stimulating. One study showed that checking your email is the equivalent of one cup of coffee for most people, especially if the topic is something that gets you a little bit stirred up. Mm -hmm. So avoid that stuff. Just turn everything off. Open up a nice book. Spend time with your family. Whatever whatever it is, turn the electronics off and do something that's more, more productive in preparing you to end the day, mm-hmm. regardless of what that is, prayer, meditation, reading, playing a game with your, whatever it may be, that that would help out, I think, tremendously for people. So I think, you know, we have the obesity issue, we get the toxin issue, but all of us really have that sleep issue because in America, we just don't sleep in this country, and it's, it's, that's not good for us. Right. I abide by having the computer off by nine, but I usually watch part of a movie from 9 to 10, and then I meditate from 10 to 11, and then I go to bed. But the movie helps me to relax before I go to bed. Sure, and, and you know, maybe that's fine. Maybe if you're, what I mean by electronics is the computer screen, mm-hmm. the smartphone screen, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. iPad screen. I guess I'm covering all the bases there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Those types of electronics where you're interacting more, you're reading a story, mm-hmm. you're responding to somebody's mm-hmm. email, you're doing a, you know, you're liking a post and, you know, whatever it is, because those kind of interactions mm-hmm. tend to be more state, more, um, mm-hmm. uh, more mm-hmm. energizing, more stimulating. And those are the type of interactions we're supposed to have during the day. Mm-hmm. At nighttime, those kind of things went off. If you look back in human history, anthropologists will tell you there was a time when the sun came up, Humans got up and they worked. When the sun went down, that was it. I mean, we th- th- there was there was no electronics keeping them up. People went to bed earlier. They slept better. They followed more of those normal rhythms of life. We don't. There is no rhythm of life anymore. It's it's just it's on all the time. Mm-hmm. So staying away from the electronics that are engaging you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is what I mean. If you mm-hmm. want to watch a movie that combats fine, I mm-hmm. think that's okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we look at the special deal for this book and and hear more about locating the book and hear about your book and how the listeners can locate that? Well, I, you know, I, there's a whole bunch we could say. Right, right, right. right. I, 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 I think I would like to end the conversation for your listeners. There, you know, 
2014, I think, is a, is a great opportunity for the industry. If, if, if your listeners are really into taking care of themselves mm-hmm. in, in, in having health care freedoms and rights, they really need to pay attention in, in 2014 because there are some scary bills that are being proposed that really are that could limit uh, what you can do for yourself and for your family. Really mm-hmm. limit your choices. I mean, the, the laws may not tell you exactly what you can and can't do, but if they if some of these laws pass, there'll be less access to supplements, which in a, which in an indirect way is kind of taking away your freedom, isn't it? Right. So I just I wouldn't I want to encourage your listeners to to. To, be, to pay attention to what is going on in their local governments and at the federal level because there are some, there are some bills out there that, that are directly, I believe, to be attacking our rights as U.S. citizens to decide what we want to do for our own bodies. Life Extension, by the way, offers a nice uh, web page on our website. It's, it's lef.org forward slash L-A-C. That all of that stands for the Life Extension, and the LAC stands for the Legislative Action Center. So that's mm-hmm. lef.org/lac. Bookmark that page, and because we put we post all of the things that are going on at the federal level, even at local levels, and it's very easy for you to get involved. You just simply click the link, you type in some stuff, and we send out a letter to you know your senators and your and your congressmen and women for you. So there's a lot of good information on that page. I just think we need to be aware of what's going on. Right, right. And I believe that's a very important part of holism is to be involved in the political process because it so affects our health. For example, as you know, I'm a 39-year lung cancer survivor who was given six months to live, so I used all natural interventions. And I hear from a lot of people that want to use natural interventions and the first thing I found out was that the pancreatic enzymes Wobimogus that I used 39 years ago have been banned by the FDA and so it meant looking for a different pancreatic enzyme that people could use which are very important aspect of using Laetrile so Right, you right. know, our government doesn't always work with us, but works against us sometimes in terms of obtaining the things that we need for our own health. So I agree with you 100% on that. Then would you tell us more about the book and locating it and also about life extension and the services and the cost of membership, sure. et cetera, and then we'll talk about your book and, and do that that way? Yeah, sure. The, so the Life Extension Foundation, I don't even know if you know this, but the Life Extension Foundation has been around since 1981. Mm-hmm. And currently we are the world's largest nonprofit organization. We've done over $110 million just in the past 10 years on Supplement, nutrition, and anti-aging research, uh, far greater than, than uh, any other organization. Uh, and from all of that, so the foundations, the nonprofit side, and from all of that great research, we funnel that into the book that we just produced, which is the Disease Prevention and Treatment Book, which is a summation of all that research in the past 10 years. We also do manufacture some products based on that research. And so when you join Life Extension, we do have a membership type of uh, program because when you join Life Extension, two things happen. Number one, you become a partner with us. 
and helping us to decide what the research should be and also helping us to counter some of those bad bills in Congress and, and at, the, at the federal level. So you really partner with us scientifically and politically. And your membership dues, which is only $75 a year, that membership due goes, dues go right into the foundation, and that's what we use to do all that research. That's where the $110 million came from. So you are a direct partner with us, and that's why we have that membership-type structure because, you know, research costs mm-hmm. a lot of money, mm-hmm. and so we need help. And, and so most people join because of that very reason. They feel like they've partnered with us, and they truly have, and they're able to have a role in helping us to decide where we want to put that money mm-hmm. as far as research goes. So let me just tell you a little bit about where some of that money went in uh, the past couple years, and that went into producing the fifth edition of our disease prevention and treatment book. I don't think you'll find a more comprehensive book on the market. It covers about 132 protocols. So you, you, you can pretty much name a disease, and for the most part, it's going to be covered in this book in some way or form. We talk about how the diseases form. We talk about the latest theories, like the Alzheimer's stuff. Some of those lesser-known theories are in there. Uh, and then, of course, what you can do about it, both conventionally and holistically, because we're not against any form of medicine, whether it's from the East or the West. We want people to have options, mm-hmm. right? We want, to help, we want to help educate people what they can do based on their own feelings, their own thoughts, their own education, their own culture. So all of the information is, is included in this book, and it really was a labor of love, and we're really proud of it. Uh, and it's written for everybody. You could be a doctor. You can be, you know, an everyday layperson. You could be someone who really wants to learn more and read the whole book, or maybe you just want it to use as a reference mm-hmm. on, on occasion. So it's, it really can be used in, in multiple ways. The value is honestly around three to $400. But we are not, we're not making, trying to make a profit off it. That's not the, the goal. We want people just to have this. And so we're offering it for $24.95. Mm-hmm. And that's it, $24.95. It's basically paying for the publication cost for each book. Mm-hmm. That's all. That's all we're asking. And you can go to lef.org slash DPT. That stands for Disease Prevention and Treatment, DPT. Very simple. Mm-hmm. One thing I like about membership, Dr. Mike, and you might want to talk a little bit about this, is the health advice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we have. We, I don't know if there's any other company that does what we do. We have a whole staff of medical professionals, nurses, naturopathic doctors, chiropractors, medical doctors who are, who are integrative. We have hormone specialists, heart specialists, cancer specialists. I mean, we have a whole team of professionals that answer phone calls. So as a member, you call in and you can, you can ask any question you have, and that professional will spend the time with you in re, you know, reviewing the research, helping you understand the research, helping you build a regimen, helping you understand why you're taking something and why you can't take something else, you know, whatever it is. They are there to simply be an educational service to you. Now, we're not, we're not replacing your own doctor. We're just there as a, as a pure educational tool because we do believe that information is power. We, we do. And so I got to tell you, they are an awesome group of people. Mm-hmm. They are so kind, right. so nice, so patient. Yeah, please give them a call, and, and, and they'll be glad to, to help you out, talk about the disease prevention and treatment book, you know, whatever it is you want to do. But I got to tell you, they, I think it's that one group really makes Life Extension shine. Right. I agree. Right. Then would you tell us about your book and if you have products or services and how the listeners can reach you or, or locate your book? Sure. 
sure. You know, I used to be one of those health professionals that took phone calls. Oh. Uh, I, I came from Texas. Let me just tell real quick mm-hmm. my story. Mm-hmm. I came from Texas. I was practicing internal medicine, and my patients knew more about nutrition than I did. Mm-hmm. So I figured I, I needed to learn some of this. So I, I took a job at Life Extension. I put my practice on hiatus, came to South Florida, and worked as a health advisor on the phone. My goal was to work here for one year and to learn as much as I could, right, just soak it all in, be a sponge. Mm-hmm. And it's now been seven years. That's how much <laughs> I like it here. And the most common question that I got on the phone was, what, what should I be taking? Mm-hmm. Right. That was the most common question. Or maybe they just read something, some new nutrient in our magazine or somebody else's magazine. And the question was, do I need this? How does this apply to me? And, and so I wanted to help people answer that question. I wanted to help people answer the question, do I need this? What do I need based on my needs? And it really comes down to personalization that, you know, the shotgun approach, just taking everything, that's not good. That's mm-hmm. not, you know, I mean, it's not going to hurt you, but it's not, I mean, it's not, you could save some money if, if you knew more what you need. But also, sometimes people get so overwhelmed, they do nothing. They don't right. take anything because they right. just don't know where to start. So I'm trying to help out both people. And what I did is I, I developed what I call the supplement pyramid. It's a very simple approach to organizing a, a regimen. You have the bottom of the pyramid, which is the foundation, the foundational supplements that we all need. The middle part of the pyramid is all about you. It's where you personalize. And how do you do that? You answer quizzes. I developed 16 health quizzes that are in the book and on this website that I'll give you. You answer yes or no. You get a score based on your answers, and that score comes along with evidence-based nutrients. The higher the score, the more, the more risk you have in that body part, the more suggestions you have. The top part of the pyramid is the optimization part. This is where you do all the extra stuff you want to do to live longer, like counter the, the common theories of why we age. Uh, so I put it all together in the supplement pyramid book. And so hopefully it's going to help people personalize mm-hmm. and prioritize mm-hmm. uh, nutrient regimens. And did you give us the site? Well, right now the book will be available March mm-hmm. 1st. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the price of the book is going to be twenty four ninety five, mm-hmm. and also there is a website that comes along with it, so you can build your pyramids online digitally. Oh. And that website is mysupplementpyramid.com, and that will be available March first. So everything is mm-hmm. going to be available March first. The book and the website, mysupplementpyramid.com. You can build your regimen right there online. Mm-hmm. We'll have to have you back to talk about your book. Sure, I'd love to. I appreciate that. Good. Is there any parting words then, Dr. Mike? I think overall, you know, 2014 could be a really good year for us. As I said, let's focus on the sleep. Let's try to eat that balance. All, all that kind of same stuff, eat that balanced mm-hmm. diet and exercise. But I also want to let your, your readers or your listeners know to go easy on themselves, too. The body is an amazing, I believe, amazing created machine, and I believe it's very resilient. If you just give it the right fuel going in, burn some of that off, you're going to be okay. So give yourself a break. You don't have to be perfect about things. Learn as much as you can. Give Life Extension a call because we can help you learn. Let us partner with you in that learning process. So always just be open to new things. That's what this industry is about. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, I appreciate this very much, Dr. Mike. It's been very interesting, and I know you're just touching. It's just the tip of the iceberg. There is a lot more in this book, and I have it, and I have consulted it, and it's fantastic. 
and I think that it's a, a bargain and as well as membership in Life Extension to have the resources that are available and the magazine and everything that comes with it. And so I thank you for giving this information and for being an active part of Life Extension that has been important in my life. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate coming on. Thank you. Earlier this year, I interviewed Sharon Carney about sound healing. Today, I would like to go off the air with her woodland song, With Birds and Running Water, that lower your pulse and lower your blood pressure and have other health benefits. This is available on her website, soundwellness.com, under the media link. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, your host, wishing you a great week.